Chiron had insisted we talk about it in the morning, which was kind of like, hey, your life's in mortal danger. Sleep tight. It was hard to fall asleep, but I finally did. Welcome to Floor 600. This is a podcast where two friends, Natalie and Quinn, read the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series by Rick Riordan. We are now reading The Battle of the Labyrinth, the fourth book in the series. In this episode, we read chapters four through seven. Yes, we did. Yeah. We're finally off on our quest. Huzzah! It's also early. I know. <laughs> We're recording early in the morning. It's a snowy morning in fall. I know. It's... November 12th when we're recording this, and there's six inches of snow outside. I wouldn't say six. That's an exaggeration, but, like, there were at least three inches on my car last night. Oh, yeah, there's at least three inches, and ice everywhere. Right. Hurrah. (sighs) So, this is going to be an interesting episode. Yep. (laughs) Also, we have to have somewhat of a time crunch. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, send us your Percy Jackson stories and comments to floor600.podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we like those. Yeah. And if we w- if you want us to talk about something, the best way to get in touch with us is through that email. Exactly. And then if it's not too long, we'll read it and we'll discuss it on, on our podcast. So come feel famous with us. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> come feel famous with us. <laughs> Okay, should we get right into the recap, though? Yes, we should. Okay. All right, so this recap begins with Chapter 4, Annabeth Breaks the Rules. Yes, she does. I give it five stars, too. You can't give five, not less than five stars to Annabeth. Annabeth Breaking the Rules? Yeah. 100%. I think this, like, is the most five-star deserving chapter that there's ever been. Yeah, I, I, zero argument there. Annabeth breaks the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we are still at um, Camp Half-Blood. And, oh yeah, they just found the entrance to the labyrinth. So, Mm -hmm. Chiron doesn't want to talk about it in, like, that evening. He's like, everybody go to bed first. Stupid. (laughs) Like, the actions that Chiron is doing in these first few chapters, I'm just super suspicious. Like, when he comes up to Percy and was just like, hey, like, in, when we talk, or in, in chapter, I think, three, Percy, or Chikaren comes up to Percy and was like, hey, you need to talk to Grover, and he's being super sketchy about it, and he's just like that in this chapter. He's just weird. He is weird. He, it's like, he knows more than he's telling, and he doesn't want to tell it, and because of that, he's just being super sketchy. Ugh. Chiron, Chiron. Yeah, it's super annoying. He's like, and because he asks, you know, like when Percy has a first dream about Nico. Yeah, he's just like, oh, how did you sleep last yeah. night? Not great, dude. And now he's insisting on him sleeping again, and. <laughs> Plot twist Chiron is a sleep god. He's got to <laughs> sleep. He wants everybody to sleep all the time. <laughs> but Percy is, yeah, he's not happy about this. Well, it also delays their quest, and they have a time limit on their quest, and he's sort of like, wait, we have to, Yeah, we're we're wasting more time. Yeah, and this is not a great note that I made. All it says is, Percy has a dream about Daedalus and his son, who are in some kind of workshop that has no ceiling. (laughs) It's an accurate note. 
It is accurate. It's not very detailed. So basically, first he has a dream about Daedalus and his son, and they're in their workshop, and all, like, you can't tell where the workshop is. All you can see is that it has no ceiling. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to work on something, like, quickly. And yeah. then a king comes in, and he, like, wreaks havoc, and he basically abuses Daedalus and tells him that he, Daedalus will be his slave for the rest of forever. For or the he'll rest die. of forever. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, he says, every maze needs a monster. You shall be mine. That is such a villain line, and I love it. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, Percy has begun seeing things about Daedalus, which is trippy. Because, mm-hmm. like, this stuff happened how long ago? A couple you know? eons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Percy, I'm pretty sure Percy's only ever had dreams about things that are happening now. Yeah, he has. This is the first time he's getting some flashbacks, which wonder make me wonder... Who's sending these things? No, it isn't. He got the flashbacks about Hercules. Oh, yeah, Who that's sends dumb. him these things? Is uh-huh. it like, is it just something that naturally happens with a demigod? Oh, you're going to be thrown into this? His demigod genes just throws <laughs> random flashbacks at him? I think so. Or is so. there a god out there manipulating him and like sending certain well, it's dreams? it's not just and... him though. Like yeah. all the demigods all the demigods the get dreams. Yeah. So is it like, are their parents sending it? Is Poseidon like, hey, you're going into the labyrinth? Here's this extra knowledge that you might need. I don't know. Is it a different god? Is it a bad god? As in a titan? As in <laughs> Kronos? <laughs> I don't know. Is this I another way that they're getting like manipulated? Part of the myth, and it's just like a thing that happens. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I can get behind that because I don't think, at least not yet, they've never explained why the dreams come. Yeah. So I can get behind. It's just a part of the mist and it's just something. It's magic and that's <laughs> all you need to know. Yep. <laughs> Kyra orders a work council with Quintus and the head campers in the morning when everybody's awake and nobody's well rested. Because nobody slept. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I actually slept really well last night. <laughs> I did too. So, oh, so nice. <laughs> so nice to be well rested. <laughs> so, I was talking about the demigods, Quinn. <laughs> I'm just saying that you never know. Maybe one of them was well rested and they're like chipper in Stress the corner. like sleep better. They're like, hey. <laughs> So Chiron orders a war council, and so they all meet in, like, the middle of the stadium. Yeah. Which is so strange. Like, why not meet in the blue big house like everything else? Maybe because Quintus wanted Mrs. O'Leary there, and maybe the big house doesn't allow dogs, <laughs> which honestly is just rude because, I know, right? like, horses shed too. Chiron's all up in that house. Maybe she would chew the couch. Maybe. And become, like, her chew toy. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> basically they talk about how Daedalus created the maze. Like, he is the architect of the maze. And it's possible that somehow he might still be alive. And if he is still alive and Luke finds him, like, that's the end. That's the end. Mm-hmm. For all the demigods and camp. So they have to find Daedalus before Luke does and get Ariadne's strength. 
So Ariadne's string is the string that Theseus used to navigate his way through the maze when he went into the maze. Yeah. And Theseus later. (laughs) We should touch on why they are so concerned that Luke has already found it, or found the entrance, or knows that the entrance exists, because Juniper is just like, no, I've seen him around, hanging around that entrance all the time, and Mm -hmm. I didn't mind, because... Luke's fine to look at. And Grover's (laughs) like, excuse me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that in that part because, um, oh, Annabeth says something like, oh, he knows everything about the camp. Like, Luke must have known the entrance was there. And Percy's uh, narration says, I thought I heard a little pride in her voice. Like, she she still respected the guy as evil as he was. And it's like, you can respect evil people for being smart. Smart <laughs> is smart. It's <laughs> true. You don't have to like what they're, they're using yeah. their smarts for, but you can respect that. Oh, wow, they figured that out. Yeah. That's too bad for us. <laughs> <laughs> He's smarter than we are. Yeah, so they're real worried about this, and they're kind of discussing you know, they're like, okay, obviously we need a quest. Mm-hmm. Who's going to lead this quest? Um, it's not going to be Percy because nobody wants Percy to lead another quest. <laughs> and Annabeth kind of, everybody kind of assumes that Clarice will fight for it. And then Clarice actually nominates Annabeth to lead yeah. the quest into the labyrinth. And everybody just like stares at her like, what? I'm, I'm good with this. Because, like, th- then someone, I don't remember who, but someone's just like, oh, what, Clarice, you coward? It's oh, one of the Stoll brothers. Oh, it's one of the Stoll brothers. Mm-hmm. But they, like, call her a coward, and she's just like, no, no, I'm not a coward. I'm not going back in there. She's like, I'm not a coward. I'm smart. Yeah. You guys go in there. Yeah. Go I ahead. will man the defenses on this side. You guys can do all that you want underground. I'm not yeah. going there. I don't blame her. Yeah, because we find out why she doesn't want to go in exactly. a little bit later. Yeah, so Annabeth is like, okay, I've been studying the labyrinth for forever. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And there, every, Percy's kind of like, you know, reading a book isn't the same as being there in this case. Like, there's a huge difference. Yeah. And she's like, I got this, Percy. I know. I don't really understand why he says that at all. Because it's like, he knows someone has to do this. Is he suggesting, oh, maybe I should be leading it? You don't know anything. He, I should know. I don't think so. I think it's just like, he's concerned for her, you know? Mm-hmm. I can see that. He's just being overly protective and, for no reason. Yeah. Because he says, but if nobody can navigate in there, what chance do we have? And she says, I've been studying architecture for years. I know Daedalus' labyrinth better than anybody. And he says, from reading about it, well, yes, that's not enough. It has to be. It isn't. Are you going to help me or not? And then he doesn't answer. <laughs> yeah, because he can't, there's no, there's, he's going to help her. He, he can't say it like. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's issues. Yeah, but there's <laughs> no way he's going to let her go without him. Mm-mm. But. <laughs> and he knows if he says anything else, she won't let him go with yeah. him or her. Yeah, so Annabeth agrees, and they head into the big house. She heads into the big house to consult the oracle for her quest. And, like, put it in perspective for a second, because Annabeth has been at camp since she was seven. Mm-hmm. And this whole entire time, she's been wanting to lead a quest. Yeah. 
And Percy's already consulted the Oracle. Twice. Well, yeah, twice. And the Oracle has come to him once. Yeah. And then she, Annabeth, is Wait, has 14. It? He talks about her Oracle in the first one and the second one, but not the third one. No, you're right. Yeah, twice. Okay, anyway, regardless. <laughs> she, Annabeth's been waiting for like seven years to lead a quest, okay? Yes. She keeps watching it. Percy get picked for quests and mm-hmm. Zoe get picked for, well, she wasn't there for that. But, you know, whatever. The point is, she's finally having her moment. <laughs> and Percy's like super <laughs> nervous for it because she's been in the in the big house for a long time. Yes. And he's just like, the Oracle should have done something. What if she went crazy up there? Yeah. Because people it's been known have, to Yeah, it's been known for people to go mad at the sight of Oracle. Yeah. So he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go check on her. It's mm-hmm. it's I just gotta go check on her. <laughs> so on his way there, Juniper finds him and she's like, Hey Percy, come over here. And he's like, What? And she's like, tells him that she has also seen Quintus nosing around the entrance to the labyrinth. Like, um, sorry, I just got a text from my boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Quintus has been nosing around the labyrinth as well. Yeah. Well, so... Which is not... I told you. I put in here. I told you he's not trustworthy, okay? In all capital letters. I know. <laughs> and I know that we're not supposed to be trusting Quintus. But I still, like... Okay. It's like Moody when he's still Barty Crouch Jr. In the fourth book. He's the best teacher they have at Hogwarts. He's Wait, actually... What? Okay. In the fourth Harry oh, Potter book, Order okay, of the, I see what so you're uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm on. Goblet the of Fire, Professor Moody is actually Barty Crouch Jr. in disguise. In disguise, mm-hmm. he treats those kids so much better than Professor Frickin' Snape. Yeah, <laughs> ever teaches. He does. Uh no, but so Quintus is just giving me some Moody vibes or Barty Crouch Jr. vibes, like. Mm-hmm. He's definitely doing, he's up to something, but he's still doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> like he's still being like a great sword trainer guy mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. He's coming up with fun, like, not, yeah, fun challenges for Which the is kids. involving like three massive scorpions that could kill Well, <laughs> they are demigods. They face death, life and death situations all the time and this is just him. Giving him one more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust him. But I, yeah, I definitely don't trust him. But I don't not like him. Yeah, I like him a lot too. <laughs> I just wish I, he didn't give me weird vibes. <laughs> so Percy is like, okay, got to keep this in the back of my mind, right? So he finally gets up to the big house and he hears something coming from the basement. And he's like. That's the opposite direction of where Annabeth is, but I'm going to go investigate it, yeah. <laughs> of course. So he goes down there, and he's just, I, I just kind of picture him, like, peeking around the stairwell, like, yeah. around the stairwell. Or maybe, like, the stairs are, um... You can, there's no, like, wall next to him, you can just see. Yeah. yeah. So he's just kind of, like, crouching there, looking. <laughs> and he sees Clarice is in the basement talking to Chris Rodriguez, And Chris is just, like, sobbing and muttering, and he keeps calling Clarice Mary. And he's just, like, obviously, like, not... There's something wrong with him. 
not normal, which is really sad because Clarice is like crying herself and like begging him to know her. Yeah. And all this, and it's just like so sad. Yeah. And it's obvious that they were like knew each other on a different level. Yeah. Well, it says um, she'd known him before he changed sides. She'd known him a lot better than I'd realized. Yeah. How old is Clarice? Is Clarice also 14? I think so. Okay. So they were I like wonder if di- dating or something. Maybe not dating, but maybe at the same level as Percy and Annabeth yeah, were a few really books ago. Friends. Yeah, really good friends with a maybe in the future, you never know. And instead, Chris went and joined Luke, and then Luke sent mm-hmm. him on a super dangerous ma- mission, and now Chris has turned to madness. Yeah, and. So it's kind of like losing him twice. Mm-hmm. Because she was probably heartbroken when he joined Luke to begin with, and then he came back, and then she was, like, probably excited about that, and then... Yeah. And this is showing mad. a whole different side of Clarice. I know. It's so intense. It's, <laughs> like, and it's not a side that, if if she had known that Percy was watching, she would not have showed this side at right. all. Yeah, definitely not. No, she's got to be tough Miss Clarice. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a soft side. Yeah. You just have to find it. <laughs> <clears throat> so Percy gets really freaked out because Chris sees him and starts yelling at him and, like, calling him the son of Poseidon and stuff. And he just basically runs back to the arena. <laughs> but Clarice didn't even blink an eye. Yeah. She, so, which makes you think... Oh, maybe Chris had seen something, a son of Poseidon in the labyrinth, and that's part of his... Yeah, or, like, what if Luke is, like, brainwashing them against Percy? Ooh. You know, like, in the Hunger Games, when they use the stinging waspy things against Uh, Peta? Peta? Yeah. And then he's, like, brainwashed against, yeah, bread boy, against Katniss? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what if it was something like that, you know? That would be interesting. Because he sees her and, like, freaks out. He flips. Or, yeah, sees him, yeah. No, I'm, I meant in the Hunger Games. Oh, like, in the Hunger Games, he yes. He just sees Katniss again for the first time and flips out, so what if it's something like that? That would be... <clears throat> if that's happening, Luke is on a different level than I expected him <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe that's too advanced for Luke, but... <laughs> I don't know, because... I don't know, because Luke is pretty darn advanced. <laughs> yeah, and we keep seeing, like, this different villainy. size of him. Side of him. Size. Different size of Luke. <laughs> he keeps growing and freaking and <laughs> This different side of Luke. <laughs> um, so, finally, so Percy, like, runs back to the arena, and everybody is just, like, chilling there, waiting. And finally, Annabeth comes back to the arena, and she's, like, even more distracted and worried than before. And we only get this much of the prophecy out of her before she changes the subject. Yeah. So, you shall delve in the darkness of the endless maze, the dead, the traitor, and the lost one raise. You shall rise or fall by the ghost king's hand, the child of Athena's final stand, dot, 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 destroy with a hero's final breath. So, as you can tell, it's it's not not a a sonnet. It doesn't rhyme. Well, that's because she (laughs) took lines out. Yeah, exactly. And Chiron's like... Are you sure that's all of it, Annabeth? And she's like, it's fine! 
Okay, so what do we think it means? So, Ghost King, Nico. Mm-hmm. Duh. Dead, the dead, the traitor, and the lost one raise. So, lost one, Grover immediately thinks that's Pan. Yes. The traitor. The traitor. Would that, so... Chris. Maybe... Or they, because we've lost a lot of other campers, too, so there could be more. Some kind of camper. The mm-hmm. dead. The dead. The um. dead. Maybe <laughs> maybe the ghost that is helping Nico. But he's already been raised. Yeah. So they're going to go into the maze. They're going to find someone who's dead. They're going to find a traitor. And they're going to find Pan. Um, Nico's going to have something to do with it. Is it Nico the ghost king, or is the ghost king the ghost who Nico has oh, summoned? Oh, that's good. That's what I thought when I said it. When yeah. I it. <laughs> you can tell it's if it, it depends if it's ghost king, like it, yeah, the, the king, king of the ghost, or is it a king that is a ghost? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And the child of Athena. Well, right now, the only child of Athena that we really know about is is Annabeth. But I wonder if they're going to say Daedalus. Daedalus? Daedalus is, um... I wonder if they're gonna... Yeah. Is gonna, are they gonna say that he is a child of Athena? Because then... Could be. If yes. he's a child of, of Athena, that could uh, qualify him. Do we know who Quintus's parents is? I don't think so. And of course everybody's like, oh no, Annabeth. And yeah. I think it's Clarice who helpfully point. It's either Clarice or Juniper who's like, well, Annabeth's not the only child of Athena. Yeah. Well, obviously. Well, but yeah. that doesn't make us feel better about it. <laughs> but she's the one at the <laughs> forefront of this right now. <laughs> she's the one we're looking at right now. Destroy with a hero's final breath. Destroy what? Whose hero? <laughs> Hero from... Which hero? Goodness gracious. Yeah. (sighs) There's a lot to talk... Or there's a lot to think about with this prophecy. And the fact that we don't have all of the words means it's even harder. Yep. So, they've got this half-finished prophecy. Annabeth is, like, freaking out, obviously. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And despite Chiron's warnings about the role of three, Annabeth chooses Percy, Tyson, and Grover to accompany her on her quest. And she's just kind of like, I need all of them, Chiron. And he's like, but three is a blessed number. Four is just a number. I wonder (laughs) if we could, if you could take it, so like Grover, I would think that they would have thought through this and made it, but Grover's on his own quest. Pretty much, yeah. And then... I would think that they would have said, no, we're going, I'm choosing, like, if I was Annabeth, I would choose Percy and Tyson to go with me, and then say, hey, Grover, our quests are leading in the same direction. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go together. Yeah. And then it's still a three, but plus one. It's two different quests. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think of it like that, but... Because she just kind of claimed Grover for, or, yeah, Grover for her own quest. Mm-hmm. Grover's though, on his own quest. He's doing yeah. his own, or he should be doing his own thing. So I put, Percy, of course, agrees without a moment of hesitation because hashtag brave, hashtag personal loyalty, hashtag <laughs> definitely doesn't have a crush on Annabeth. 
Definitely not. Nope. So after the council adjourns and they kind of have a sort of plan, Quintus pulls Percy aside and tells him that he's worried about the quest, not only because Annabeth's breaking the rule of three, but because he himself has been to the labyrinth and he knows how dangerous it is. Percy (laughs) thinks about Juniper's warning about Quintus, and he doesn't trust Quintus completely, especially after what happened with Luke, because he's like, oh, I knew another demigod who tried to get on my good side once. See where that led us. <laughs> and then, and then, to make matters worse, Quintus gives Percy a gift. I don't know if that's worse. It is, because then he's like, oh, Luke gave me a gift. And it was that's a, true. meant to pull me into Tartarus. <laughs> Quintus gives him a dog whistle made of this, like, fancy ice. So you can only use it once, because once you use it, it shatters. Yeah. That's not that pra- practical, I wouldn't think. So it's supposed to summon Mrs. O'Leary. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> he's like, you know, you can only use it once, so use it carefully. And Percy's like, huh, I'm never going to use this. Thanks, bye. <laughs> <laughs> but he does, like, he goes through this whole thought process of, like, comparing Quintus to Luke. Right. Should I trust him or not? Because we've had this issue with Percy before. He trusts too quickly, normally. Um... So it's nice to see that he's finally, you know, thinking through who he's talking yeah. <laughs> to. Should I yeah. go, should I just immediately follow this guy? Exactly. Like, he's learning to be more discriminatory. <laughs> um, so he goes to find Annabeth in her cabin, in the Athena cabin, and it's just like, it sounds so cool. <laughs> it's like this gray, like, stone, and he walks in, and there's like, Books and maps and papers and work benches everywhere and it's just the like, beds are all pushed to the side like sleeping they don't doesn't care. matter. <laughs> it just sounds so cool. I love it. Um, so she, Annabeth is way at the back where they have a personal library. Of course, of they maps do. and scrolls and books because they're awesome. It reminds me. I know you haven't watched and uh, the newest season of Good Place, and mm-hmm. this isn't a major spoiler. But <laughs> if you guys watch it and you care about s- sort of small details, close your ears for about thirty seconds. I don't <laughs> know how long this will go on for, but. Chidi's, they show Chidi's apartment in this, this season of oh, The nice. Good Place, and he has a huge library, and all you got, it's like, all he has to do is think of the book, and it comes to him, oh, and so oh, it's so good, and it's so cute. <laughs> like, there's one part, like, a few episodes in, he's out in the town, and he's just like, oh, I need a book, <gasps> I wonder if it'll work, and he puts out his hand, and he's just, and then he forgets about it, and goes on talking about something else, and like... 45 seconds later, he gets smacked in the <laughs> face with the book. That's so cute. But that's what I hope that the Athena cabin is like. It's like the bookshelf is there, and all you got to do is think of the book that you want, and it will come it. to you. I just imagine, like, I always imagine their cabins are kind of small. Mm-hmm. So then the Athena cabin, ha- cabin having all this stuff in it is like... <laughs> I think it's because they stuffed all of their beds to the side. They're just like, we don't care. <laughs> Sleeping is secondary. I love it. I love the Athena kids. Um, so Annabeth is back there, and she's, like, obviously distracted and, like, kind of upset. And she's just pouring over the maps and scrolls. And Percy goes in there, which is, like, not really frowned upon, but not, like, I don't think you're really supposed I don't know. 
It's, I think there's, like, an unspoken rule about not going into other people's cabins. I, I think it's more than an unspoken rule. I think it's a rule just like the... Uh, really? The, the table rules. Because Selena goes in all their cabins, but she's on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like you have to have a purpose to be in there. Yeah. And especially not after dark. Yeah. It's like... It's like anything. <laughs> Any kind of camp, yeah. Any kind of camp. You're not really supposed to be in other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the punishment punishment's probably not extremely severe. Yeah. But it's well, frowned upon. Yeah. He feels awkward going in there. Mm-hmm. And so she, they're talking and Annabeth admits that she's worried about the quest and maybe she shouldn't have asked the squad to join her on it because it's just gonna be so dangerous. And She's Percy's, like, no. Yeah, Percy's like, it's gonna be okay. Like, we're, we can't let you go without us, mm-hmm. period. So, he's like, it's alright, Annabeth. And she just, like, puts her arms out for a hug. Oh, I love it. And he's like, uh, 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 okay. Hugging and, like, hugs. hugs her. And then right when they're <laughs> hugging, like, right when they start to hug, some guy comes in like, um, Annabeth, you're late yeah. for archery? <laughs> they're interrupted by Malcolm, one of Annabeth's half-brothers. And he's like, Hey, Archery's starting, like, now. Kyra Maybe Malcolm's gonna die. Oh, I want Malcolm to die. I just love That's it. That's what she gets for interrupting a tender moment. <laughs> I love it because Percy's like, oh, we're just looking at maps, and Malcolm just stares at him. <laughs> like, he can't figure out if Percy's an idiot or if he's just being weird. A little bit of both. <laughs> and Malcolm is the one who blushes. <laughs> it's so cute. Like, they really are just hugging. Malcolm. They really okay. are. <laughs> but Percy's like happy about it, and he's like feels weird at the same time, you know. And I, like first times when you like start interacting with someone you actually have a crush on. Yeah. And it's like this is nice, but I feel strange. <laughs> it's cute. It is. I love it. <laughs> so first, Annabeth's like, "Go ahead, Percy. I'll. I had to go to archery, obviously." It's <laughs> Percy's like, "Hey." The last line of prophecy, like, they usually rhyme, was the last word, death. And she just deflects the question. And she's like, go get ready for the quest. We have a big day. And Percy is like, has a bad feeling that one of them's not going to come back alive from this quest. So. Chapter 5. <laughs> Nico buys Happy Meals for the dead. Okay, I also gave this one five stars. I did too, because it's a classic. <laughs> it's literally just a classic chapter title. Yeah. Once I don't get, know how that's classic. Once once we get further into the series and, like... Oh. I, I don't know. <laughs> this is a chapter title that I have always remembered, and every time I think mm. I see Happy Meals, I think of Nico because of this. <laughs> so... That's cute. Yeah. So, yeah, this is such a great chapter title. I love it. It's just, like, putting Nico and Happy Meals and the dead, and Nico's, like... Obviously using his powers, mm-hmm. which is exciting because he's so powerful. Yeah. I love Nico. It's great. <laughs> Percy goes to bed to try to get a good night's sleep because apparently that's the theme here. And uh, they... Okay, so immediately he starts <laughs> to have a dream about Luke and Kronos. And I feel like when he has dreams about Kronos, those are more... Terrifying? Well, yes. <laughs> but, like, I think... That he has some more of a say in what he sees in that. Yeah. Because especially in the uh, the, the Lightning Thief, when 
when he first starts intruding on these, what's hap- actually happening in his dreams, yeah. Kronos is like, oh, <clears throat> we have speaking a- directly to him. Yeah. yeah, and and he's just like, you weren't supposed to be here. Wow, you have a little bit of a mind of your own type thing. Yeah. So going back to like the dream, who's controlling the dreams? It's on some level, it's definitely Kronos is mm-hmm. able to like project to Percy what he wants. Oh yeah. But on other levels, like, I don't think he, like, Kronos doesn't always know Percy's there. Mm-hmm. So it's I think like, it's well, sort of like, I, I hate to keep comparing it to Harry Potter. Me too. But so the, I, I literally, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> but like, Occlumency, ocul- yeah. once Voldemort opens up that door, Harry can walk right through anytime he wants. Yeah, except Harry is so dumb, he can't tell the difference between... Yeah. Dreams in reality. Come on, Harry, get your stuff Ooh, together. You know what? I could literally go off about that because I hate that part of the story. It's so stupid. And look what happens. I know. Well, that's because book five is just a downing downer piece of downer downer. Somebody downer, said downer. to me once that it's just a giant filler to get to the next part. I can see that. <laughs> I can easily see that. Anyway. Luke and Kronos. Nobody needs another Harry Potter podcast. (laughs) Luke and Kronos. Yes, Percy, Dream, Luke, Kronos. Luke is in the state room (laughs) of the Princess Andromeda. And I just love that throughout this whole series that has been like their home base is a freaking yacht. Yeah. Like a gigantic yacht. And it's just so... That's smart. Unnecessary and awesome. Well, it's a moving target, so it's harder to get. Yeah. It's epic. It's epic. And they can travel in it very easily and, like, pick people up from mm-hmm. anywhere they want. Yeah. They're like a water taxi. People like... <laughs> <laughs> They're an evil water taxi. Water taxi for <laughs> monsters. <laughs> That's a good one. So, Luke is in the stateroom of the water taxi for monsters but he's, like, wearing Greek clothes now, which is yeah. creepy. Mm-hmm. And he's looking suspiciously healthy, considering the last time they saw him was, like, crumpled on a cliffside. Yeah. And even when he wasn't crumpled on a cliffside, before he was off that cliff, he was still unhealthy looking. Yeah, like, his hair was gray, he was pale, he was weak. Mm-hmm. So what's so, happening? Yeah. Something's going on with Luke. He's talking to Kronos, who is still in the golden sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's telling him that Camp Pathlet is sending a quest, as you predicted. Yeah. Which well, how do they know? Exactly. <laughs> so, Kronos is responding, but, you know, his voice is, like, just in their heads kind of thing. Yeah. He's talking about leading the vanguard through himself when they have the means to navigate the labyrinth, Ooh. which is going to be, like, very soon. Yeah. Huh. And he says that they only need one more heart to join the cause, and then he will yeah. be at full power. Yeah. So only terrible. one more person has to join Luke. Which, is it one more demigod, one more mortal, one more monster? Is it just any of the above? I would think demigod. It seems that yeah, the demigod's decisions have more power. Yeah, because obviously monsters are evil. Yeah. The, yeah. They can expect the monsters to yeah. join their size. <gasps> what if Tyson is the the key? Oh, no. That would be heartbreaking. Tyson is so sweet. There's no possible way. Yeah. He would rather die. 
Guarantee yeah, it. He would. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke is unsure about this whole plan. In this conversation, this whole dream, we see so much doubt coming from Luke. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? So... Well, he gets a little concerned, especially when Cronus is like, yes, I shall be leading it. He's just like, oh, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. So... So Luke wants to be in charge of this. Mm-hmm. But why? Yeah. I don't know why. I think there's some there's some things that Luke is fearing. Mm-hmm. I think he's realized he's gone a bit too deep in with the Titan. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so he... Um, he's like, are you sure? And Kronos is like, don't forget that you pledged yourself to my cause. And I gave you power and health in return. And you are beyond like injury at this point mm-hmm. and you basically don't have a choice now is basically what he's saying yeah and so Cronus is like I'll rise we'll get one more heart I'll rise I'll lead us through the labyrinth and we'll destroy the camp yeah and then while after Cronus has put Luke in his place who comes in Kelly the Impusa from Percy's new school <gasps> I thought she burst into flames mm. By choice, there's a difference. Yes. So she's got two Dracani beside her, and Luke is not happy to see her at all. And she's like, you used to be so fun, Luke. And he's like, yeah, that was before I saw what you did to that boy in Seattle. And... I like, The way that yikes. they talk, and the way that she... So maybe it's because she's an Impusa, and Impusa just are inherently sort of like succubus-type creatures. Yeah. But she is, like, hardcore flirting with him. Yeah. And it sounds like, at least before Seattle, Luke was flirting back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But, like, the fact that, A, he's flirting, period, Mm -hmm. and B, (laughs) he is disturbed by what she did in Seattle is, like, restoring some humanity to him. Yeah. And we also see, like, this huge doubt that he's... Starting yeah. to have, and it's like, well, last book, Percy was like, ugh, screw him. I hate Luke. And, now and I think we're he's seeing... sti- I think Percy is still in that I hate Luke thing. Yeah. But, but we're definitely like... seeing more of the reason why Annabeth likes Yeah, him. exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Sorry. And <laughs> it's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're seeing, like we said earlier, like this different side of him. Mm-hmm. Craziness. But basically, um, Kelly has come to tell Luke that the advanced team is ready and that they can leave whenever or whatever that means. And then she's like, we're being watched. Your senses have grown dull, Luke. And he's like, what? And then she looks straight at Percy, like breaks the fourth wall of his dream and lunges at him. Yeah. And then Percy wakes up. (laughs) Thank goodness. He wasn't really there. (laughs) <laughs> but right after he wakes up, basically he goes right into another, not dream, but iris message. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because once again, the saltwater fountain is glowing super bright, like brighter than it was the last time. Mm-hmm. And he knows that the fountain is trying to tell him something. And I feel like this just means the iris, that iris the messenger goddess is trying to help him oh i like without that being idea like too direct about it you know because mm-hmm. zeus is all like don't interfere yeah i like, like the idea that out. iris is the one who's at doing all that and it's not someone else yeah okay i mean i guess it could be chiron 
being all weird about it, you know? Yeah. I wonder if it's the the ghost that's with Nico. I don't think so, because that well, ghost is a jerk. He is a jerk, but I wonder, it, because he's showing him, there. he's being shown these parts of Nico, like, when he's really going after, all right, I need to, I don't know, soul for the soul type thing. That's, yeah. like, the last two times we've seen him, and this, the, I don't know, it's always leaning towards this other soul needs to be Percy's. So I wonder or if... Or at least that's what Percy thinks. Yeah. But if it's being sent by that ghost he would probably want to antagonize Percy and Nico. Yeah. And set them across against each other. I don't know. There's a lot of who it are causing these so things. It could be so many different people. I know. And all of these different <laughs> people have different motives. And yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> True. It could be even, like, Quintus. Like... Mm-hmm. And we don't even know why at this point. Like, we yeah. don't know enough about Quintus to even theorize. Mm-mm. I don't know. I don't know. But in this in this Iris message, Percy sees Nico, and Nico's not in the underworld anymore. He's instead... Is he in the graveyard? Uh-huh. Yeah. With with a nice little Happy Meal bag. I like that Percy says that, oh, I've never seen... I haven't seen one of those bags in a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how have you not seen one of them? Like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't eat Happy Meals very often. Well, I understand that you might not eat one, but you would still see it. Yeah, like the box. The yeah. Box. They're boxes now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Nico is having skeletons dig a hole in this graveyard. And <clears throat> his little ghost companion is just standing there complaining about Nico summoning the other spirits. He's like, why do you need them? You have me. And Nico's just like, I want a second opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he also tells him to shut up several times. Good. And so he Nico's like, okay, you can stop digging now, skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for your service. And yeah. the other guy's just like, why are you thinking that? You might as well thank the shovels. <laughs> and Nico's like, shut up. So then he pours Coca-Cola and McDonald's into this hole. And once again, the ghost spirit is just like, that's redundant. The ghost is just like, in my day, we used animal blood. Which means that at one point, he was probably involved in summoning spirits. Yeah, when he was, yeah, that is weird. And Nico's like, I'm going to treat them with respect. (laughs) And Nico's brain, McDonald's and Coca-Cola equals respect. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) <laughs> one of the spirits Nico summons is Theseus. Yeah. And per- I like that Percy is so surprised at the appearance of Theseus because Theseus is a young guy. Yeah. He's not much older than Percy is. And right. Percy's like, I've always pictured him as like... An this, adult. This big hero. And I think this is like him full, like starting to realize that all of these heroes, these demi- demigods don't live long. Right. So all the heroes that you know and hear these stories of, they're all... Children. Yeah, they're all teenagers. Except Quintus. Except Quintus. <laughs> Why did he survive? Exactly. Yeah, so he's like, whoa, like, this is super weird. And Nico is trying to get information about the labyrinth and exchanging a soul for a soul from Theseus. But 
Theseus is just like, oh, I had the string, but it was the love of the princess who truly guided me. Blah, blah, blah. It was the love of the princess. And the ghost companion, Nico's ghost companion, is like, just get to the point. It's so <laughs> irritating because I want to hear what Theseus has to say. And then Theseus is like, someone is coming. He senses your powers. He has find. He must find the source of the powers. And he's like, we have to go, essentially. So then... The... Well, yeah, and then when his, he says, like, someone's coming, and it's big, and it's bad, and then Percy's, like, everything goes, like, starts shaking, yeah. purple light, all of this stuff, and I, yeah. what, do you have any ideas of who it's, who it is? Hades. Yeah, me too. 100%. Mm-hmm. He's gonna go find Nico and be like, who are, oh my god, you're my son. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna be like, what are you doing here? And Nico's like, gonna be like, leave me alone, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Nico manages to like disappear himself before Hades shows up. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Unless Hades has some kind of like person who does his dirty work for him. Like the Furies. No, I I, I do but think he it says is he. Hades. Uh, yeah. He I think it's Hades because yeah. the purple light, uh, Hades color or whatever yeah most associate most the color most associated with Hades is purple I believe it Mm -hmm. yeah so Percy kind of freaks out he like withdraws from the iris message and slashes his fountain in two I guess that works why so no one follows him he destroyed a gift from his father that was giving him valuable information and it annoys me maybe Tyson can fix it Maybe. I hope so. So, apparently, he just sits there all morning, all night, and just, like, stares at space. Because he's so freaked out. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been so shaken up by something. I just sat on the floor for hours. hmm Like, he should have gotten up and gone back to bed. He should have. <laughs> so, yay. Percy is sleepless night again. Yep. <laughs> but... And the next day, they gotta start their quest. So they all meet at <clears throat> Zeus's fist, pile of poop slash Zeus's <laughs> fist. Yeah. Uh, and before they leave, though, Percy talks to Chiron, and he's just like, "Hey, Chiron, I know you're suspicious as all hell, yeah. but <laughs> you should also be suspicious of Quintus." Yeah, and he's like talking to Chiron about it. He asks Chiron for a favor. He's like, can I ask you a favor while I'm gone? And then he doesn't even ask him a favor. He just tells him about the dream. Really? Yeah. That's weird. I know. (laughs) Maybe the favor was just keep an eye on Quintus. Quintus? Yeah. That's strange. Because first he tells him about the dream about Luke and Kronos and Chiron calls Kronos his father, which is super weird. Mm -hmm. And I love this sentence is like, Everybody in the Greek world, god, monster, or titan, was related to one another somehow. Yeah. They're all related. Yeah. I love it. Like, <laughs> this is like the first moment that Percy's just like, wow, I guess that would mean Cronus is my grandpa. It's like... <laughs> Duh! Percy! <laughs> <laughs> so Chiron points out the fact that Cronus might want to reach Daedalus so that he, Daedalus can make him a new form. Which would be terrifying. Yeah. Because Chiron's just like, Daedalus was 
the best inventor. He could make any automaton, and like if he makes this, if he makes Kronos a body, it'll mm-hmm. be very difficult to it'll defeat be that. Worthy of the forges of Hephaestus, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Percy tells Chiron about what Juniper said about Quintus. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and Chiron's like, I'm not surprised. He th- he's like, thinks it's suspicious how Quintus just happened to show up when they most needed him and just innocently offered his services. Yeah, the way that they say that, like, oh yeah, he just happened to show up. It's like, did Chiron know him before <clears throat> he just showed up? Was there an interview process? How long has Chiron known him? Like, (laughs) Well, isn't Chiron a teacher of the demigods? So he probably knew him when he was a child. Well, but Quintus says that when he was a child, camps like this didn't exist. Yeah. So would he have even met Chiron? I mean, I guess he could have and he could have not. There's a lot of questions about Quintus and about Chiron's ability to, like, I don't know, hire people. Well, he's... (laughs) He tells Percy that he's trying to keep him close because keep your friends close and your enemies closer. He wants to keep an eye on Quintus. I guess. He doesn't trust him. But he's not doing a good job at keeping an eye on him. I don't know. He didn't know that Quintus was poking around the labyrinth. True. <laughs> Karen's a sucky person. <laughs> he's Chiron is a good person. He's just bad at his job. Okay. Chiron needs a new job. <laughs> but if he stops doing this job, he loses his immortality card. I, I don't care. Don't care. <laughs> Percy, <laughs> Percy thinks about what Luke said when he says that apparently at some point he said our spies report success, and I honestly don't remember him saying I that. don't either, but Am okay. I just blind? Like, I've accept, I, I'm just accepting that he said that at one point. Like, I, I even went back to this chapter, and I was like, does he say that during the dream? No. That he just had? I don't think he did. I don't, I don't think he does either. And I'm like, when did he say that? Like, did he say that in a previous dream? Did he say that in, like, a previous book? Maybe. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, it's something that he Percy could infer by the fact that, oh, they know what's happening around camp yeah. before they should, should. I feel like, I honestly feel like Luke said it in, like, a previous whole book. Maybe he did. And we're just supposed to remember that. I don't know. Do not know. But it's true. There's spies in camp, but who are they? Is Quintus the spy? Is Chiron the spy? Chiron's not the spy. <laughs> as much as you want Chiron to be the spy, Chiron is not the spy. I know. It's <laughs> definitely either Quintus or some other demigod. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's multiple demigods know. that are spies. Spies, plural. Boy. Maybe they're spying on spies. It's spy versus spy. <laughs> in demigod like that, Like that movie, Mr. and Mrs. whatever. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Bradley Pitt. Yeah. The Bradley Pitt. <laughs> Isn't that the movie that they met and, like, got married? And... Could be. I think so. Now they're divorced. But... No. Oh, well. Oh, well. Annabeth comes <laughs> over to see why Percy, Percy is taking so gosh darn long talking to Chiron. 
They give big goodbye to the sunshine, hello to the rocks, and descend to certain death into the labyrinth. I love that. Hello's like goodbye goodbye sunshine, sunshine. hello rocks. (laughs) Tyson's like, oh well. Rocks are my friends. (laughs) Alright, chapter six. We meet the god with two faces. I gave that three stars. I also gave that three stars. Nice. Yeah. We're like matching up all of this entire time. Cool. (laughs) Um, yeah, it just it didn't seem that exciting and I'm not like Two faces, though. Two faces is weird. Yeah, two faces is weird. Yeah, so the squad makes it about 100 feet before they get lost. Yep. <laughs> As expected. Poor squad. <laughs> so, and then they just sort of, like, wander around for a while. Annabeth is like, we should keep our hands on the left wall. And then as soon as that happens, the left wall disappears. Yep. That reminds me of, um, in Maze Runner. They, that's how the, one of the guys navigates the maze all the time. He puts one lip... He puts one hand on the wall and then runs. In the book? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I never read the book. I don't know. I only read, like, half of the first one. It's a very long and very slow. It's not even that long, but it's just... It's dense. Okay, so they're basically walking through the labyrinth, immediately get lost. Uh, then they... Like, once they're lost, they keep walking, because what else are you going to do? Exactly. Annabeth's looking for the oldest part of the labyrinth, but as soon as they say, we're going for an old place, they get to a place that's definitely more modern, and that's when they find their first body. Yay. I like how it's um, described as the first body. <laughs> um, but it's a dead milk- milkman who looks like basically fell into the labyrinth or somehow entered the labyrinth and then died just got stuck in the labyrinth and died a terrible tragic death a terrible tragic death a terrible yes. tragic death oh, but i love that like annabeth is like oh it's a milkman and percy's is like a what and annabeth's like you know they used to do this and he's just like oh they used to do that before my mom even that's like ancient it's like which is hilarious if you really think about it, because they actually are dealing with ancient things all the time. And yeah. there's the milkman. It's like... I feel like Percy just, like, has no distinguish... Like, he cannot distinguish between recent history and ancient history. Yeah. I don't really And anything <laughs> that's b- before his birth is ancient. Yeah. It's quite rude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't really blame him, though, because look at his life. That's true. Um, <laughs> so after they find the milkman, what happens? Oh, they go back, um, they end up, they keep walking, and they end up back in the old, the, the ancient room, the room that they were in before. Yeah, because they went through, okay, so they're walking, they lose the left wall, and they found the giant room with the giant tile of Freeze of the Gods, but it's like Roman style. Mm-hmm. I think it's weird... Uh, that that word is pronounced freeze, because I always want to pronounce it frise. Yeah. <laughs> frise. Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're trying to find the oldest part of the labyrinth, because that's where Daedalus's workshop will be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they keep walking to find the dead milkman, they keep walking more, and they get back to the same room with the freeze in the fountain, but they're not alone this time. Yeah. This time, in the middle of the room, maybe not in the middle, yeah, in the middle, 
Um, there's a man that has two faces, and he's dressed like a New York City doorman. Two faces. Two faces. Not... Freakish. Not like a face half burned, half not burned. <laughs> it's two faces. Two separate faces. So they start talking what if it, to Anna. Is it like two heads on one neck? Um, or is it one head with two heads on, or two faces on either side? Let's see. They jutted out from either side of his head, staring over his shoulders, so his head was much wider than it should have been, kind of like a hammerhead shark's. Okay. Looking straight at him, all I saw were two overlapping ears and mirror image sideburns. It reminds me, uh, the description makes me think of um, the bad guy in Spy Kids, the first one. Monk? Remember that Monk was in Spy Kids? I'll look up his name. Not Floop. Floop. That's not him. The, no, this one. This guy. Um. Oh yeah, he's freakish. Yeah. Oh gosh. I forgot Emily Osment was in Spy Kids movie. She was in the second one. There's a whole Spy Kids wiki. Yeah. They've got like four movies. Okay, Alexander Minion, played by God. What's his name? He's just he's in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He is. Tony Shalhoub. Oh, is that her dad? Yeah. Nice. Tony Shalhoub in Spy Kids, he gets his, like, three faces added on to his own face, but that's sort of what I'm picturing. And you know who would be a good actor to play Janus? Who? Tony Shalhoub. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is creepy. Except it's not quite, like, that. Like, it doesn't jut out. No, it's not completely jutted out, but it is sort of jut out. Yeah. Okay. So, Janus is basically there just trying to confuse confuse Annabeth. Yeah, he's like, should you go through the right door or the left door? It's time to make a choice. Choice, choice, choice. Either way, you may die a certain death. Yeah. (laughs) He tells her that one path leads to certain death, and the other, he doesn't really say. It reminds me also of um, in The Labyrinth with David Bowie, she, uh, Sarah, goes up to, gets to this point where she has to pick a door one has like it's like two door handles one only tells lies one only tells yeah. truth can't figure <laughs> out which one to use one leads to certain death one leads to the center of the labyrinth it's the same probably based off the same thing yeah um so yeah annabeth is like why are you trying to confuse me and it turns out that this is janus the god of choices and he is actually a roman god yeah. He's not even a Greek god. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's like our first introduction to the fact, like, there might be more than just the Greek gods. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting. So they tell Annabeth that they know what choice she's deliberating with, and eventually she will have to make her choice. And Percy doesn't even know the choice. No. We definitely don't know the choice. So come on, Annabeth. Yeah. So they also tell Percy that they will see him soon enough. Mm-hmm. But then before Annabeth is forced to make a choice, who should appear? But Hera. Hera. And do we trust Hera or not? No. no. <laughs> Never trust a goddess. Ever. Maybe Artemis. I don't know about that. I don't know. Just don't, don't trust, trust a god or anything. Don't trust anyone. I trust Athena. I trust Athena to be a BA and do exactly what she thinks 
is best strategy wise. <laughs> I trust Hera to be BA and do whatever th- she thinks is best for Hera. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Although Hera did vote to keep them alive. At she council. did. But so. I I want to point out um, Percy's not maybe not the first impression of Hera, but sort of the first impression. He says, uh, the woman turned towards us and fear closed around my heart. Her eyes shined with power. Leave these heroes to me. That didn't sound good. For a second, I almost wished we could have taken our chances with Janus, but then the woman smiled. Yeah. I think with, with Hera, first impressions, go with what your gut's telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Run away. Yeah. <laughs> but she's very nice to them and, like, feeds them sandwiches. Gives... Which they actually eat this time, by the way. Yeah, good. Good. They fuel Fe- up. <laughs> yes. And she dismisses Janus by saying that it's not yet Annabeth's time. Mm-hmm. And I love how she threatens to turn Janus into a door. And then the faces argue about which kind of door would be nicest yeah. to be turned into. <laughs> what kind of door would you like to be turned Fresh into? Fresh doors are nice. <laughs> yeah, she, like feeds them, she feels them up, and she says that she came to the labyrinth to see them, which makes Percy and Grover very nervous. As you should be. Yeah. And she warns them about the minor gods who often get jealous because they have such a small role in the world, and they're like, I want to be powerful too! And they can easily be swayed to support Kronos. Yeah. And then that's where, like, we're reminded that that's where Dionysus went, and that's why Mr. D's not at camp, because Dionysus is going to all of the minor guides and making sure that they're happy. Yeah. (laughs) And she says that she and Zeus have gone to marriage counseling. Yeah. I sort of wonder who their marriage counselor is. Is there a god of marriage counselors? (laughs) I I even looked up, like, a god of therapy. No. There's, like, there's many different gods of, like, medical stuff. And certain, some of those can be considered, like, therapists, yeah. I guess. But I wouldn't want to go to a brain doctor, <laughs> like a brain yeah. surgeon, to tell me how my marriage works. Can you imagine being the marriage counselor and having Zeus and Hera sitting in front of you and just being like, you could literally get zapped at any moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, no, I would not want to do that. I would quit. <laughs> Maybe it's Iris. <laughs> She teaches them how to send messages communicate. to each other. Yeah. <laughs> how to communicate better. So, Anna, or, uh, uh, yeah, Hera doesn't like Percy. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and so Zeus hardly allows the Olympians to assist heroes on quests. But every once in a while, like, obviously, as we've seen in the past, mm-hmm. they get, like, they're allowed to help a little bit. So Hera is here to grant them one wish. But she says that she can give advice for free. So she says if they want to know what Daedalus' fate was to see Hephaestus in his forge. And Annabeth's like, well, that's what I want. That's what I want to know. I want a way to navigate the maze. Yeah. And Hera's like all disappointed by yeah. this stupid wish. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, well, why, why would you wish for something that you already have? Which makes you yeah. wonder, okay, so what do they all have? The only thing that they were really given, or at least Percy was given, was the whistle, but that wouldn't help you navigate the maze. Well, according to Hera, Percy already already knows how to navigate the maze. 
Well, according to Theseus, the thing that got him through the maze was following his heart. And the love of a princess. The love of a princess. (laughs) (laughs) So, she's like, Percy already knows. And everybody looks at Percy and he's like, I do? Yeah. Since when? Percy just needs to follow his heart. Yep. (laughs) So, Hera is like, well, I guess since you got this lame wish, I'll just leave. Yeah. And she's like, don't think that I eliminated your day of choice, Annabeth. I have merely postponed it. And, of course, Percy's like, what choice? What choice? What choice? What choice? (laughs) (laughs) And so Hera just kind of, she, like, disappears the doors and, like, reveals the dark corridors beyond them. And then is like, bye, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a meaningful pause with a different word. (laughs) And Annabeth is like, well, they're all like, which way do we go? And Annabeth's trying to decide which core to take still. And Grover and Tyson both just like stand up and they're like, left <laughs> and they're Percy and Annabeth are like how do you know and they're like because something big is coming from the right let's go so they have to like sprint down the left path yeah that's Ooh. okay okay so chapter seven Tyson leads a jailbreak how many stars four I gave it four and a half tisk tisk we finally finally do... <laughs> I don't know split yeah <laughs> So the squad runs down the left hallway, but it's a dead end. And Tyson has to slam his shoulder against this giant boulder at the end of this corridor um, to get them out. Because, like, the giant thing is chasing them. Mm -hmm. So they get out, and then they push the boulder back into place, and they trap the monster in the corridor. And they turn around and realize that they've tunneled themselves straight into a prison cell. Oops. And that prison cell is in Alcatraz prison, of all places. Double oops. It's really yeah. hard to get out of Alcatraz. It's famous for being hard to get out. <laughs> yeah. So as they're trying to figure out where they are and, like, how to get out and where to go, they hear someone sobbing and speaking in this, like, weird raspy voice. And they're like, what is that? So Tyson is able to translate because he recognizes the language. And he's like, oh, he knows who it is, like, right away. And he so, gets really excited. Yeah. <laughs> So he pulls two of the bars apart and they, like, run out of the cell. And they're all trying to stop him from, like, running headlong into this terrifying-sounding monster who Grover spots first. So her name is Campe? Campy? Campy? I was thinking Campy. (laughs) And she is a monster with the torso of a woman, the body of a dragon. She has a tail, obviously. Claws. Hair like Medusa's. And at the place where her woman body and her dragon body meet is, like, constantly morphing mm-hmm. and, like, creating new faces and stuff. Yeah. She's terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely horrifying. Uh-huh. So she is, like, a jailer, obviously, and she's talking to whatever creature is in the cell. So then she's like, I'll be back, basically. So the squad runs up to the cell, and they find Briaries. Yes. And <laughs> Briaries, Briaries, I don't know, the recording I listened to said Briaries, is a Hecaton Carries 
A hundred-handed one. Yes, it's easier to say hundred-handed yes. one. And these people were the ancestors of the Cyclops, and they were incredibly strong and powerful. As tall as the sky, as strong as a mountain. With 50 heads and 100 hands. 50 heads? Yeah, 50 heads. Yeah, 50 heads? 50 heads. Huh. So, <laughs> the fact that this 100-handed one is terrified of Campy, um, that's, that's telling you something. Yeah. She's a horrifying creature. So, <laughs> she imprisoned... Briaries and his other brothers in Tartarus for like thousands of years. And the Cyclops. Yeah. Or Cyclopes. Cyclopes. Ugh, that's such a weird sounding word. <laughs> I always just say Cyclopes or Cyclops. So he, Briaries, doesn't want to leave the cell with the squad because he's afraid that he'll be punished again by Campy. And Tyson's like, no, you won't. Like, we're going to get you out of here. Let's, let's go. Let's just go now. I love that um, Tyson asks him for an autograph, and he's just like, do you have a hundred pens? Yeah. <laughs> Who signs something with every single hand? <laughs> I know, it's so cute and random. But, like, he keeps getting, he can't keep his brave face on because he's so afraid. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. And Percy's like, all right, let's play rock, paper, scissors with the hundred-handed man. <laughs> so he... Briary's like, I always win. Yeah. And then when they play, it's obvious why he always wins. Because, all right, one uh, one third of his hand, all of his hands make rocks. One yep. third makes paper. One third <laughs> makes scissors. And how do you win? You use gun. Yep. That's such a stupid <laughs> So Percy makes a finger gun, which is a trick. Paul Bloth has taught him, which is so cute. Yeah, it is really cute. When I was... We didn't have gun. We had dynamite. Oh. That was our way to win <laughs> all of the rock, paper, that scissors. So Briaries... It was also fun when you got to use dynamite because then you had to slap everybody's hands. Because <laughs> it was blowing up. Briaries is like, Timmy guys are cheaters. And he just kind of reluctantly leaves the cell with them because that was the deal. Mm-hmm. So Campe is snarling at them from the floor below. So basically they're like chased by Campe out of the prison onto the grounds. They have to run through all these mortals. They're throwing things, blah, blah, blah. Um, The mortals are screaming. Basically the only thing I got out of this chapter is that there's a lot of ancient monsters and creatures coming back up from Tartarus. Um, And the storm over Mount Tamilpe is getting worse. And Percy loses his shield that Tyson just newly finished for him, fixed for him, because he has to throw it at Campe to distract her so Tyson can get into the labyrinth again. I like that they say, I, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because you put in the notes and I'm seeing it, mm-hmm. but he's, uh, Tyson was like throwing Dippin' Dots stands at <laughs> yeah. Campe. And that just makes me th- wonder, whatever happened to Dippin' Dots? Because I feel like they used to be everywhere. Like, they're still things. They are, places. but they're not as everywhere as they used to be. Like, I remember, like, going to a Sox game, there would be, like, five different Dippin' dip Dots stands mm-hmm. at the same at the same location. And they would all be the same quality of bad ice cream. Yeah. But you gotta have it. It was, like, strangely rubbery ice cream. And it was not even good. No, it wasn't. Ugh. But then, like... They just, like, slowly disappeared. 
I think because people realized that they were not good and they could pay less money for normal ice cream and have a more enjoyable experience. Yeah, probably. It used to be at the water park. Yeah. It used to be, like, everywhere. Now it's just, like, in big places. mm -hmm. And, like, malls. I think I saw a stand at the Smithsonian Zoo when I was in D.C. over the summer. Wow. I think you can, in some places, I think you can buy just Dippin' Dots at, like, the grocery store. Mm. Which sounds strange. Yeah. It used to be in Chuck E. Cheese's. Okay. But, yeah. But, I really yeah. I don't understand the point of this whole chapter. I think the, that, uh, Briar's is gonna, or Briar's is going to become a more important character, and it'll be sort of, like, a key to win the war later on. Mm-hmm. It'll be revealed that he's a very important character. But, yeah, this chapter was, seems very much out of the blue. Yeah. It's like, if he doesn't come back up later, it's gonna be like, what was literally the whole point of that chapter? Mm-hmm. Because I'm think, sure he's yeah. not just giving us a chapter full of nonsense just because, you know? Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say this is going to end up, like, parts of this is going to be important later. Yeah. But it's got to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a pretty uh, fillery episode. Yeah. Filler-y. I mean, I don't know if the whole chapter, or the whole episode is fillery. Or not like, episode, sorry, cha- I didn't oh, mean to chapter. say episode. Yeah. That is a fillery chapter. He's setting it up, I'm hoping, for later. Yes. Okay, so we gonna, must end this recording now. Yeah, and we're gonna re- <laughs> we're gonna do oh my gods and bring on the monsters later. Later, and <laughs> you guys might not even know this because we're going to be all edited it together, and hopefully it'll be flawless. I doubt it'll be flawless. <laughs> if it's not flawless, you know what? We have this fun introduction. Yeah. Or extraduction <laughs> <laughs> to make it a fun transition. So bye. Ding. And we're back with that seamless transition. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> yep, seamless. No one noticed? No one cared. Okay, good. All right, ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, my God! <laughs> so there's so, like, there are, there is a lot to talk about with Oh, my God, this chapter. So, so we do meet Theseus with Nico. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about Theseus, but I feel, and we can also talk about Daedalus and and Minos and all of the labyrinth myth, but with this book being so tied together with that myth and being, I feel like it would almost be a spoiler yeah. to talk about that myth. Because there's a lot of things that once you know the, know the full myth of the Daedalus myth, it, it ruins it? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> we're going to be avoiding that, other than what Rick tells us. And then maybe at the end of the book, I can go over it. But, yeah. so we're avoiding Theseus. We are avoiding... We're avoiding Theseus. Yes. And Daedalus. <laughs> for now. But, yeah. Okay. So, but the other god we can talk about. Is Janus. Janus. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, so Janus is interesting on many levels, but I think it's very interesting because he is a Roman god. Yeah. 
So in so he's the Roman god of choices. That's what we are introduced to in the book so far. Um, and what's it? He's the first Roman god that's introduced into the series. It's like the first time we get a hint of the larger universe of yeah. mythological beings. What Roman <laughs> gods, Greek gods? Can they coexist? I don't mm-hmm. know. What about other kinds of mythology? Egyptian. Viking? Uh, <laughs> Look at all these other things Rick knows about and we'll learn about later. But it, it's interesting and it exciting. It's like, it, I'm exciting. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's pretty cool. Okay, so to Janus. So Janus is one of the Roman gods that we uh, that did not have a Greek counterpart. So maybe that's why oh. Rick can introduce him like this because there is no dueling personality that we see in later series, um, yeah. including the gods. Um, so maybe yeah. So maybe that's why Janus can interact with the Greek myths as well as the Roman. Which I like. I'm excited. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Janus was also one of the earliest Roman gods. So, sometimes he was referred to as the god of gods. To all Romans, Janus was the god of be- beginnings and ends, presiding over every entrance and departure. And that's from an article on ancient.eu. Um, it's like basically an ancient myth uh encyclopedia huh. online and it, it, all of the articles are written by historians and professors and smart That's people cool. so that was written by donald l wasson sure yeah <laughs> yeah thanks donald and, and if they aren't smart people because i don't know i'm sorry but that is also that's still true that janus was the god of beginnings <laughs> And ends and presided over every entrance and departure. And that meant doors as well, which is, explains his door obsession. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there are at least two myths that describe Janus's origin. And unlike other Greek and Roman gods, Janus may have actually lived. So like, as in like a demigod or a real person that inspired oh. Or like a real person that inspired someone to write something down that ended up being like blah 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 blah, blah roll into oh. myth. Well, like, like some people believe that Robin Hood was a real man. Oh, and there was no Robin of Luxley, but there might have been other like highwaymen that did stuff against. King John, or a, right. uh, or a lord that became a highwayman. Like, there's a lot of other things that could have inspired the myth or the legend. Gotcha. And Janus might have been a real person who inspired a legend. Or a myth. And a god. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so, in one myth, Janus was like a king who ruled alongside uh, the early Roman king, Ke. Camusus. Camusus. Camusus? Camusus? Camusus. Camusus. Oh god, we're so dumb. We are. It's bad. Camusus, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he had uh, a pretty nice reign and ruled up pretty peacefully for uh, many, many years. And then supposedly even Saturn, the Roman equivalent of Kronos, 
Like, Saturn is the Roman equivalent of Kronos? I know, that really threw me off, but yes. I thought Saturn was a good guy. I guess not. Nope, wow. nope, nope. I misremembered that too. I didn't think Saturn was the Roman equivalent of Kronos. That's super strange. I guess I don't know anything about Roman mythology. I know, and I think we're going to be learning a lot more about Roman mythology in the coming series. In like two books, maybe. <laughs> depending maybe. if we we start with that one. <laughs> anyway, okay. Anyway, but so Janus had like a really nice reign, and he ruled really peacefully for many re- years. And he supposedly visited, received uh, Saturn, the Roman, Roman, Cro- the Roman, Kronos. Uh, and he was the Greek god, or, or not the Greek, the Roman god of like sowing and seeing. Hence. The sickle. Get it? Kronos' thing is the sickle. Oh. Uh-huh. Cool, cool. Okay. <laughs> and so, like, and he was receiving him when the god was being exiled from Greece. So, why was he being exiled from Greece? Oh, yeah, because he ate all of his kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> he got chopped up. And then, I don't really understand in this version of this myth, but eventually Janus died and he was turned into a god for being super nice king and welcoming and stuff. But the second myth has him living at the same time as Romulus. And it sounds like this one is what what inspired Rick's, Rick's version of Janus. Because really, it's just a little bit more interesting. <laughs> um, and so Romulus was... Um, uh, he, he, he had a comp, he was the founder of Rome. He was one of the founders of Rome. Right. And he had a complicated time of it, but while he was doing that, uh, or while he was founding Rome, um, he, uh, kidnapped the Sabine women. And when I say kidnapped, there's a lot of argument of whether that word should be used. As many people, many scholars describe it as the rape of the Sabine women. Oh gosh. Because, basically, Romulus had mostly men in his population, in his kingdom or whatever, in his empire, and he needed some women. And so, basically... To make babies. To make babies. (laughs) So, he went and kidnapped all of the women from Sabine. Hooray. Not. Yeah. Eh. No. But, so, in Roman myth, you're supposed to be, yay! Now he's gonna have babies and create the Roman Empire. So, Romulus has these women. And because he kidnapped all of these women, the enemy attacked, or the the people of this Sabine attacked Rome. And while the enemy was scaling the walls of the city... Janus sprayed him, sprayed them with a jet stream of hot water and forced the attackers to retreat. So, Janus is a hero of Rome! Yay! Yay! <laughs> Rome's fun. <sighs> Sometimes this part of the podcast is kind of sad. <laughs> and you can't avoid it. <laughs> Nope. Okay. 
Okay, so I'm gonna read a little bit from a like a little bit more from that uh, article by Donald L. Wasson. To illustrate his importance, his name was uh, was even mentioned before Jupiter in prayers. He protected the start of all activities. He inaugurated all or inaugurated the seasons. The first day of each month was considered sacred to him. Early Roman coins often featured his M image because showing him as the two-faced, one bearded, and one clean-shaven. Hmm. So, in Conclusion. Janus was like a big deal. He was a very VIG. Wait, no, VIPG. Very important. Wait, no. <laughs> ah, VIG. Yes, I was right the first time. Very important. Very important God. Yes. Yes. I was going to say very important people God. <laughs> it's not even very important people, it's very important person. I know. <laughs> You're great today. <laughs> Ooh, I can't do it today. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Janus is a was a big deal. Yeah, in he, Roman mythology, but in this, he's presented as a minor god. Yes, well, because he he was a very important minor god. That's what it sh- probably should be. It should be V I M G. Very important minor god. Because everybody prayed to him when they walked into a building or in, in through a doorway, send a silent prayer to Janus. Just wow. like uh, like if there was the god of the boot. If you put the boot on, you pray and do a little prayer when you put your boot on. Roman gods, like, they're like a million. There are a million Roman gods and they prayed to all of them in minor ways. Oh my gosh. And Janus was one that you just prayed a lot too because it was an everyday thing. Let's talk about Hera. So we also meet Hera which is exciting and terrifying. Yeah she's scary. She's like (laughs) don't mess with her but like be like on your best behavior. Do not no toe out of line with the queen of the gods. So yep. As I said, Hera is the queen of the gods, goddess of marriage and family, daughter of Kronos and Gaia, sister and wife of <laughs> Zeus. <laughs> and that is a fun relationship. But so Hera being the goddess of marriage was very unfortunate to be part of one of the most unfaithful families in mythology and world oh, yeah? domination. <laughs> So she was married to Zeus, and Zeus was known for his big moods and uh, big appetites. Uh, (laughs) And as such, Hera, who who prided herself as being the goddess of marriage, she couldn't have an imperfect marriage and an imperfect family, and look at her family. Her children are also sleeping together and with other people. Sometimes at the same time. Yes! <laughs> poor, poor Hera! <laughs> oh, what a buzzkill. <laughs> so, Hera... Um, so, Hera was basically most remembered for bringing vengeance upon who she saw as uh, taking her husband's 
she was who people who were taking her husband's affections from her. They can't take what she never had. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> they had one child. They had it one nice time once. One and a half child. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, like, which is super unfair on her part, just because a lot of the people that Zeus took, put himself upon, were not willing participants yeah. in this action. Um, so, hooray, they get raped, and then Hera comes along and smites them. Gotta love it. Ay, ay, ay. Gotta love it. Oh, these people are perfect human beings. No, she they're says not. sarcastically. <laughs> That's why they're gods. That's why they're <laughs> interesting. They have faults. That's why we like talking about them. Yeah. So she would also often take her vengeance upon vengeance vengeance out upon the uh, his his victims, but he would also take the take it out on his children. So that's why we have the whole nonsense that is Hercules because she just kept throwing stuff at him and yeeting Hephaestus off the mountain. Yes. <laughs> But that was, that was her own child. That, that was, she did that all by herself, and then when it came out, she was angry that, I don't know, it looked like the inside of her soul. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's why she yeeted him off the mountain. Zeus had no part in Hephaestus. <laughs> So, most myths that involved Hera involved her finding ways to torment demigods who she didn't like or under the or under principle that they were, they represented the infidelity that her whole family gets up to. She didn't like them. So, because of that, Hera doesn't often help questers, but she does help a few. And that's why I'm, go I'm, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the few times that she has helped. And it is very few. So, the main part... Okay, so, one hero that received Hera's favor, and we've talked a lot about him before, is Jason. As in Jason and the Argonauts. As in the Golden Fleece. As in Sea of Monsters. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, Jason gained her favor sort of... On accident, because his sister was praying in a temple for protection, like she was praying in Hera's temple for protection and protection over her family, while her uncle was killing all of them. And her uncle was like, ah, I shall still kill you. And he killed the, the poor innocent girl who was just praying to the goddess. And Hera was pissed. <laughs> so, but she couldn't, like, take out vengeance directly on the guy who pissed her off because weird god rules. So he, she went and was like, hey, Zeus, this guy, this kid, this Jason, he's the only surviving member of this family. He's my kid now. Like, I protect this child. And Zeus <laughs> is like... No, you can't protect him that much. That's an unfair advantage. And she's like, okay, 
give, let me give him some wishes. And he's like, wishes I do. <laughs> because the gods like wishes. Um, so Hera was like, cool, cool, cool. I get to grant Jason wishes. And then Jason got all his wishes and happily ever after. He, he accomplished his quest and then had a relatively rough time after that. <laughs> <laughs> she was also a major player in the Trojan War. And, okay, Trojan War, it's complicated because she also st- was one of the starting points of it. Because the Trojan War was started when Paris had was given the choice between Aphrodite, Athena, and Hera. And that's a very hard choice to make because pick one, you're going to piss the other two off. He didn't really think it through. And he immediately chose Aphrodite because hooray. (laughs) And Hera was quite a bit pissed. And Athena was even more pissed. And together, a whole bunch of stuff happened. (laughs) A.K.A. the Trojan War. A.K.A. the Trojan War. Nice, good job. Yeah, yeah. Because Paris angered her, she took sides with the Greeks, the Achaeans. So there's, like, in the Trojan War, like, in the Iliad, there's a lot of, oh, Hera inspired a young boy to pick up his shield and lead the charge and destroy the Trojans or whatever. So... She did some inspiring in the Trojan War. But it's very, very, very rare for Hera to uh, help anyone. It's a lot more common for her to lead people into traps, trick people, um, outright smite them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I wouldn't trust Hera. All that much. I want a hoodie that says outright smite. (laughs) That would be a good hoodie. (laughs) Um, okay. Yeah. Hera. Do you have any questions about Hera, goddess of marriage and family? No. All right. And then we have... Ready for this complicated pronunciation? Briaris. Hecaton Carey. Hecaton Carey. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. So, Briaris is one of the three 100-armed, 50-headed Hecaton Carey's. The name literally comes with the Greek words for 100 and hands. <laughs> They're literally the 100-handed ones. Hecaton Carey. I'm going to just say it like that. Got to say it in the... If you say it really fast, it makes it less painful to hear. Yeah. So, Hecaton Carey. Okay, so the Hecaton Careys were the sons of Uranus and Gaia. They had a lot of babies. So, um, but unfortunately, Uranus uh, tended to judge his children on appearance alone. And if he didn't like the kid, he would either stuff it back into Gaia, which seems unfortunate for Gaia, (laughs) uh, or throw them into Tartarus to be imprisoned and tortured. So it sort of depends on what myth, what Rick's going off of, we're throwing them into Tartarus to be (laughs) tortured. 
forever. Goodness gracious, these poor children. I know, aren't they? It's like the American foster system. Ouch, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so according to Homer's Iliad, Rares actually has had two names. The gods called him Rares, and the mortals called him, get ready for this, Aegean. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's not how I expected you to say that. All right. How would you say that? It's spelled A E G A E O N. A G A no wait. A G A G A E O N. A G A N. A G A N. A G A N. That sounds so much better. But A G A N. Pronouncenames.com. Again. 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 Oh my goodness. Alright, we're only gonna say it once, so. <laughs> <laughs> the mortals call him. Again. Again. <laughs> so, according to Homer, during the during the first war with the Titans, the Hecatonchires. <laughs> Hecaton carries, sorry. Can't believe I mispronounced that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Hecaton carries helped Zeus defeat the Titans. And so, written uh, nearly 100 years after Homer wrote that Zeus helped, or the Hecaton carries helped the Titans, including Briaries, the, uh, the poet Callimachus. Callimachus. Calamachus? Yeah, Calamachus. It sounds sort of like calamari. <laughs> um, Calamachus made Briares on, or like he, what in his poem he said that Briares was on the other side of the war and was attacking Olympus. Oh. And in this version, after Briares was defeated, he was buried under Mount Etna. And in another version, he had him. They had him as a enemy of Poseidon, and he was a giant underneath the sea throwing stuff and wrecking havoc. Hmm. So it's sort of complicated because it is complicated because all of this is complicated. It's like, what did he do that they were like, "Oh, I'm gonna, yeah, slander this guy." Yeah. Um, no matter what, it's sort of it's sort of like the key points are. She was born, thrown into prison. His Kronos took over dad's role, kept him in prison. Zeus, normally, most myths say that when Zeus took over Kronos, Zeus took the Hecatonchires out and the Cyclops out, and they helped them out. And hurrah, 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 they're allies of Olympus, and hurrah, hurrah. Hurrah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. So now for Bring on the Monsters. Yeah. All right. So our monster today is Campy. Campy has the head and upper body of a woman. She has the lower body of a dragon, the tail of a scorpion. She has snakes for hair and snakes around her ankles as well. Also, How do not forget her dragon ankles. 
dragons have ankles now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But don't forget, other than snake ankles, snickles. (laughs) Around her waist, she has a beautiful fashionable belt that all the ladies want. Oh, God. But it's a belt of shifting heads of beasts. Lovely, lovely yeah. belt. Fashionable. Feed your meat to it. You'll eat all the food under the table. Ha, ha, ha. No leftovers. I like leftovers. Too bad. Your belt's about to eat it. <laughs> and you got a dragon stomach, too. And you have Medusa hair. Yeah. So you got to feed your hair, too. And your ankles. And gotta- you have wings. You do have wings as well. You're just a handful. Yeah, it's scary. I don't know why we're calling you a handful. <laughs> we were talking about campy and like far off, but now we're He's dressing started... campy now. <laughs> He's tried to start selling people. I know. A campy belt. Yeah, that's true. Don't we all want one? No. What if you could really buy one, but it was just, like, those holographic things all the way around? Oh, and it, like, projected heads? No. No? I was talking about the cards that you can tilt Oh, those. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Old-fashioned holographs. (laughs) No, but, like, and then you could wear it, and, like, as you walked around, people would, like, see it changing. Mm. I was thinking, like, a belt, and then you would have, like, metal heads on it. Like, big... Big, metal, scary faces on a belt. I don't know. That would be scary. That would be a scary version of your cool belt. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the cosplay version versus the Party City version. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So she is like one scary mother forker. And so after... So she, okay, so, so, here Campy is, this terrible, frightening, monstrous thing. Yes. No one in Olympus knows what to do with this terrifying, monstrous, evil thing. So, after they were born, your, uh, like, the Hector Carries and the Cyclops were so ugly, they had to be tortured. Of course. How do you, else do you get... Yes. How else do you raise a child? You torture them. So, when Uranus was... So, Uranus just threw the Cyclops and the... the Cyclops and the Hecaton carries into into Tartarus. He Mm -hmm. didn't torture people, actually. He was relatively nice. Kronos, on the other hand, when he overthrew Uranus... um, um, he was not as lenient as his father, and he threw Campy down there with him because he was like, I'm tired of having this terrifying thing over my shoulder all the time. <laughs> so he threw Campy down into the Kronos, or er, er, into Tartarus, and he was just like, hey, it's your job to keep these really nice guys on here that have been tortured their entire lives <laughs> in line. They're really tough guys. Gotta beat them daily. Aww. And Campy was like, dream drop. Oh my gosh. So, Campy was set to work, torturing, and hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. 
she was a terrible, stupid monster. Creature. So when the Olympians started to fight against Kronos' rule, Zeus killed Campy in order to free the Cyclops and the Hecaton Carries so that the, they could help them overthrow the evil Kronos. Mm. So hurrah, they were free. Zeus did something good. He did. Yay. But somehow, somehow, we don't know how, he's imprisoned again by the, te- the, the labyrinth, Battle of the Labyrinth. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so when we see him, he's imprisoned again by Campy in Alcatraz yeah. prison. Yeah. So maybe he was, like, sort of out on parole and broke <laughs> some kind of rule and had to be thrown back into prison. Or Campy is just terrifying and overpowered yeah. him. Yeah, maybe just Campy reformed and found him and was just like, <laughs> Remember when I imprisoned you forever? It's gonna happen again. Today. Yeah. Hurrah. So, are you ready for quest queries? Yeah. Cool. So, who do you think is Zeus and Hera's marriage counselor? We talked a little bit about this in the episode, but let's just refresh. So, when when did they start seeing a counselor? Was it, like, after Talia? So, is it a recent development that they're seeing this person? Is it after Hercules? So, have they been seeing this this therapist for a long period of time. Has there been <laughs> multiple therapists? I think that it's probably been like on and off. Is it like an is it a licensed therapist? Is it like a here, look at the stones LC- and noodles. SW licensed clinical social worker. <laughs> I can't imagine it would go very well. Because I did look a little bit up like who would the god would be the god of therapy and there's like a lot of like there's a lot of gods of medicine. And like there's the gods of the mind. What if it's Apollo? <laughs> God, I hope it's not Apollo. <laughs> or Hermes. I could see oh, what if it's a different god of marriage? They get like a minor god of marriage? No, like like they go to Egypt, the Egyptian <laughs> gods of mar- the god of marriage, or the Viking god of marriage, yeah. or <laughs> Could be, you never know. Yeah. It's hilarious, though. That would be fun it's if they're... It's very funny to think about that. Like, Hera and Zeus tight, like, smushed into a couch because Zeus is just huge. <laughs> and Hera's just, like, trying not to touch him. And then, like, across the sea is... Who's the... Who's the Egyptian god of marriage? Okay. I don't know. Isis. So they're, like, sitting there all cramped and tight and uncomfortable, and Isis is there just being like, Hi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and the goddess of motherhood, medicine, and marriage, fertility, and magic. There you go. Perfect. Do you want to talk about your marriage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly what <laughs> happens yeah. in marriage counseling. Yep. Yep. You can tell I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> How does that make you feel? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that... That stereotype needs to die. <laughs> Probably does. <laughs> it needs to die quicker. <laughs> so my question is, what is Percy's middle name? Percy... Us Jackson. The Us is his middle name? Yes. It's I don't think so. 
and us, Jackson. Oh my goodness. No, I think I was just like typing something and I wanted to put like Perseus whatever Jackson and then I was like, oh, I don't know what his middle name is. Perseus Edward Jackson. What if it was Perseus Poseidon Jackson? <laughs> Perseus Hercules Jackson. Yeah. Perseus Jason Jackson. Ter- Perseus Andromeda Jackson. Perseus Percy Jackson. Perseus, Perseus Sally Jackson. She would Aww. name him after herself. She would. For good reason. Well, I don't know. If you know, let us know. Do you have Please. any other ideas of what it would be? <laughs> what would be a good Percy Mill name? I've been trying to think of middle names lately. I don't know why. I've been trying to figure out a middle name for Zoe. Aw. <laughs> Zoe Lou. Aww. Zoe Poo. Name her Zoe Lou, and then it can be whatever you want. I don't know if I can do Zoe Lou, though, because my aunt's and uncle's dog, her name was Gracie Lou. It's a family name. It's a family name? She was White Lab. (laughs) Well, my grandmother's name is Gail. My mom's name is Shannon (laughs) Gail. My cousin's name is Violet Gail. My niece's name is Adele... No... Yeah, Adeline Gale, and then Violet's daughter is Abigail. So, yeah, so you're just the odd person out. It Dude. was supposed to be only the first born girl. Oh. And then my brother messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I think that's all of our quest <sighs> queries. It is. So this was like a long recording session because of long reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at floor underscore underscore 600 or at Tumblr at floor 600 podcast. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash floor600 to help us improve this podcast and get some cool perks like bonus episodes, stickers, a private Floor 600 group, and more. Ooh, sounds like fun. And as always, rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz. Listen in next time. Read the book. We're going to be reading chapters. What? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What chapters are we reading? Eight. Through something. Through question mark. It's always through question mark. Yeah. (laughs) Until you actually start reading. And I have one more quest query, actually, for our lovely listeners. Would you be interested in seeing this as a YouTube channel? Let us know. Yeah. Please. Thank you. We move around a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it's... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of insane sometimes. Okay, so we'll see you on the interwebs. Bye! Bye!